It was basically a cube with inside of sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching outside of the sphere. So this isn't anything that just is limited to the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the other show on KGRA with uh, Andy McGrillan and Dan Zetterstrom. Obviously, you can see that Andy is not here. Um, he is unfortunately a little under the weather this week, so I'm taking the reins to speak to our guests. Um, he's on the mend. He'll be back with us this week. And uh, from, from all of us here, Andy, uh, we miss you. Get well soon. Um, hearty hello as well to the fine folk over uh, an identified celebrity review. They just interviewed John Ramirez, a fantastic interview. Andy and I interviewed him a few weeks back, so be sure to check that out if you uh, you haven't watched it. Uh, they picked up on a lot of things that Andy and John discussed. Quick recap of the week before I uh, introduce our, our two wonderful guests you can see here. Um, we had Representative Tim Burchard made U.S. history by speaking about UAP at the House of Representatives, which is Congress, just in case you, you don't know it by that name. Uh, there's clear hunger for this issue to be addressed. We, we had a comment from the press secretary uh, for Gillibrand yesterday, Senator Gillibrand. Uh, and the, the most important bit, I think, of that was they said, while we appreciate the DOD's attention to the issue, the AOI MSG doesn't go nearly far enough. So if you're panicking that this amendment isn't going to pass or the politicians are going to lose appetite for it, don't. We're fine. Just get in touch with your representatives. Specify that you want them to support Amendment SA4810 uh, so they know which one because there's about 500 different amendments in there. Um, and yeah, that hopefully we'll, we'll get that supported. You can support the podcast. I've, I've got a bunch of admins to do here, guys, for, for the uh, that Andy usually does. Um, no, you're so, killing it right now. You're doing a great job. Thank you, man. Um, so you can get 20% off Manscaped uh, with the code ANDYUFO. Uh, you can support us through sponsors. You can get gifts for your family, friends, kill your enemies with kindness, and make sure the Tic Tacs are smooth. To support the show in other ways, you can sign up on patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast. You can also find us on Spotify Premium, Apple Podcasts with a two-week free trial, as well as sign up via YouTube. You get some cool things like early access to interviews and, and members-only Ask Me Anything shows. So with all that out of the way, let me introduce our first guest, a fellow member of UAP Media and creator, designer, writer, producer. I think the only thing he doesn't do is make the paper of Shadows of Your Mind magazine. This gentleman's knowledge knows no bounds. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Partridge. Thanks for joining me, Dave. How are you? No problem, Dan. Yeah, it's um, nice to be invited. Shame Andy is near, but you know. You, you, you're stuck with me instead, unfortunately. I, I hope you're okay with that. I think so. So then I'm going to just go ahead and introduce our main guest. Um, I've been watching Red uh, Red Panacoala. I'll say just this once. It'll be Red from now on because that's a little bit of a mouthful. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've been watching Red's channel for, for years, and I think he really oh, concisely yeah. conveys information in a really glossy and well-produced package. He covers a whole load of different areas, including Tom DeLonge, UAPs and nukes, Soviet UFOs, cattle mutilations, the Kolaris event, and many, many more. Along with channels like It's Redacted, 
this is one of the channels that I keep going back to time and time again. So without further ado, Red Panda Koala, how are you, my friend? Woo. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. How are you both doing? I'm great, thank you. Thank you for coming along. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So without further ado, we'll just dive in because these always go by in a flash. Mm -hmm. Um, So clearly you're a very talented documentary filmmaker. Have you always been into documentary filmmaking? Did you study it? Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about your background? No, I didn't really study it ever. I took one video class in college and I just made like a skate video with some friends, Uh, not like a documentary type or anything. Um, And then... I graduated college in 2016 and then I moved to LA and then I do like documentaries like I love watching them but I just like never studied it uh traditionally like history documentaries like if I'm working or like gaming or something I'll just have some random history documentary on in the background so uh initially I was just kind of like thinking of things to do uh, and I wanted to do like a cold war history channel um so I was kind of like I bought a computer and like the plan was just like teach myself everything uh just using the internet you know you can learn a lot of stuff online um was it was that did you go on youtube for the the tutorials yeah youtube tutorials it's funny a lot there's like some of them it's like there's some videos that i come back to all the time because i'll just forget like one little thing and it's just like 11 year old kid like (laughs) (laughs) teaching me how to like edit this one little thing uh and then yeah so i was this is like i was saving up money and then uh, i got into like a car accident i was totally safe it wasn't my fault um that happened in november of 2017 so then i was like oh sweet i'm gonna get a bunch of money to be able to start my cold war channel with this uh computer that i'm gonna buy and then like in between the time i had my car accident and the the settlement or whatever uh dispersed is when the ufo stuff happened and then i was like oh whoa this is a uh, pretty intense i never really thought it like i never deep dove into it before so i kind of had like an opinion of like oh the, just the classic like oh i think they could be there but i don't know if they're here you know like the never really thought about it opinion um and then yeah that's when the new york times article broke and i just did i started my deep dive then and then when i was doing my deep dive i was like oh there's really like a a space that i could just probably just do a ufo channel instead because there's i was like trying to find videos of basically like what i what i make now like kind of like that kind of style and a lot of times it's like PowerPoint presentation type or just kind of like lectures or long form interviews, which are all great. But uh, like not everyone has like a lot of time for that kind of stuff. So that's kind of like where the idea for my whole channel came. It was just like the the UFO information that I found that I found interesting that I wish would have already been a video when I had just gone into this. That's really cool. You you kind of covered my next question in that, so I'm just going to go ahead and skip <laughs> that one. <laughs> um, but I'm wondering how how did you find your way to to the UFO subject, or, or did it do do you feel it kind of found you? W- was it December 2017, definitely, or was there anything before? No, that's that was really it. I had like a family friend who growing up was into UFOs, and we would talk about it. Like, but I never did a deep dive, and I was like eight when that was when those conversations were happening and then uh when i was growing up my family and i would we would drive and listen to coast to coast but that was just kind of like for fun i never really deep dove it until the 2017 uh article dropped to my own disappointment and shame i feel like i feel like people who were into it before 2017 have like a little bit of a flex that they'll always have <laughs> yeah are we, are we like the the hipsters of the ufo community <laughs> yeah <laughs> almost yeah so 
just jumping right into to your videos, one one of the ones I keep going back to are the the Tom DeLonge timeline videos because they're you know just so much happened across so many years. And if you were unless you were paying attention, you, you know, as a fan of Tom or as a fan of UFOs and that subject, uh, you just would have missed a lot. Um, and they they really chart the story from Tom Tom's outlandish claims to him being proven to be honest and correct. Um, can can you just I, I don't know how much you remember of it, but I was wondering if you could just hit the main beats just just to say kind of what stood out to you there. Sure. Yeah. So and this is kind of like uh, goes back into like the whole why I make the channel thing. And another reason to too is like uh, when I saw the 2017 stuff, I was super excited and like looking for someone to talk about it and like no one was interested in it. And then so if you try to explain to someone like why you should care about what Tom DeLong says, you know what I mean? You're, you're going to be talking to them like my videos, I think, are like 50 minutes for the two parts. And th those are like concise, concise, concise. So, uh, yeah, basically, that was like a, and I'd seen that that was like a very important subject to ufology that hadn't really been um, kind of all pieced together like that. Like Ross Coulthard did a good job piecing that timeline together, too. Um, uh, that came out, I think, a few years after, though. Uh, so, yeah, I was like, this is like an important um, aspect of modern ufology. And there's all these like every day there's a new Reddit post about it. And people are like trying to figure out and like post his interview and stuff. So, so, yeah, I was like, OK, I'm just going to make the the timeline of everything he said uh, regarding this subject. And um, for people who don't know, I broke it up into two parts. The first part is about how he got his information or he claims to have gotten his information, which we could go into more detail uh, right after I break this down. And then the second part is I basically take all the little bits of information that he said about UFOs and put that into a timeline. Um, and just disclaimer, I'm not, I'm not uh, and in my videos, too, I say, like, I'm not saying to believe Tom DeLong 100% by any means, but this is an important, like, he's integral to where we are right now. And it's important that people are at least aware of, like, what he's saying and what he thinks these things are for everyone to make their own decisions on what these things are, I guess. And so, yeah, doing that deep dive, I basically just like listened to a bunch of his interviews from the to the time period when he was um, speaking. Uh, for people who don't know, there's like a, there's a sweet spot where he claims to have had it as his advisors and he was just going on like Jimmy Church and Linda Moulton Howe and Joe Rogan and just kind of like talking his mouth off, um, maybe to like his own what detriment or something. But uh, yeah, so I listened to those and put those all in order. And just basically, yeah, the story of how Tom DeLong, this rock star from Blink-182, well, no, he's like a rock star, but just his like inclusion in this whole story of like disclosure, how he was involved. And basically he, uh, and I'm actually curious to get your, your guys' opinions on this, but he like, uh, he says like he went to Lockheed Martin and basically like because of his celebrity and these companies do this often, like you'll see like companies will just bring random celebrities to just speak to their employees or like to their family nights so that part isn't really too crazy to me um but he was basically able to like network and mingle with ufo people to like start this whole disclosure initiative and that's where he met like steve justice and then through justice met other people and uh who neil mccaslin general neil mccaslin and all that stuff so um just trying to like set the foundation of like these are like pretty high credentialed people who he's for sure we know in contact with and who he's claiming he's getting his information from so that way when we, we go over the information like makes sense um but oh what i was going to say to you guys is uh do you guys think that his whole like went to Lockheed martin episode like how much of it do you think was him and how much of it do you think was like they totally knew what he was going to do like before he even got there you know what i mean 
what what are you guys what are you guys thoughts curious dave we haven't heard from you yet so please go ahead yeah no i think um i mean like you like red said you know um, these big companies will get in celebrities whether you know like christmas parties or anniversary that kind of thing they'll hire the band or you know these people just to put on a show for their employees as a gesture of goodwill um things like that i know that the motorsport formula one teams do it quite often at their christmas parties they'll get in like these big stars just to put on a show and then they'll mingle with the rest of the crowd um but yeah i mean if tom DeLong, you know if he was meeting with steve justice and some of the other people at skunk works and being shown around the facilities and you know being shown perhaps uh blueprints or plans for stuff that they're working on then that makes sense that he's going to go and take that and give it to you know, probably hint towards that with other people that he meets later on down the line. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so kind of like, um, you know, we always talk about the information being in stovepipes. So, in mm. effect, Tom connected a few of the stovepipes, and and yeah. may have gotten a few people talking that that weren't before, I guess, um, or made them aware of certain things they weren't aware of before. That that's interesting. Yeah. So it's like, what degree of it is like. Tom is low key this brilliant Machiavellian schemer who's just playing off everyone's like what they know and don't know. And what degree of it is like somebody above Tom that we don't even know about thought that this might be a good person to like ease it. Cause I, one of the theories I have of why like he's even involved is cause it kind of gives them like a, an out for a bit. You know what I mean? Cause he's kind of so out there and he's so uh, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not like the president or something he's yeah, crazy 100%. he has all these naked pics from the 90s and stuff like that so if they wanted to pull back they could have easily done that maybe for that first little window but i don't know it's all speculation still we'll probably all die not knowing i mean it almost got totally derailed by the wikileaks um thing as well when uh, yeah and uh, i think was... greg cameron says that too and like yeah. about yeah, uh, Tom. Tom described it as the the information being shut off from a castle and as a faucet being turned off. Um, so it it blows my mind to think that the you know the stacked uh, lineup of TTSA was actually Plan B. In effect, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, right. they've done a really really good job, uh, all things considered. But I'd love to to hear from Neil McCaslin. I'm, I'm sure we all would. And, and yeah, he's yeah, one of the ones I think. Bit. Yeah. Sorry. Um. So part two of those videos um, includes a kind of overarching theory of UAP, not necessarily your overarching theory, mm -hmm. but the one Tom presented. Uh, it involves consciousness being influenced by beings that used to be referred to as the Greek gods and, and many other figures worshipped throughout history. Um, and this no doubt links into why the phenomenon is considered demonic by some as they see it, the world through a kind of religious lens. So I wanted to know what your... Uh, thoughts on that aspect of the story because for some people it kind of gets quite scary at this point um is it too much for you or do you find it no. intriguing uh uh i i would say like when it comes to the whole overarching ufo subject i'm kind of a, a doomer compared to some of the other people just because like and we'll probably talk about this too my colars video and stuff there's evidence of like uh not it's not all just positive vibe uh, experiences and information downloads of love or something so in terms of that like i do agree with tom that and like the whole trickster element and like that jacques fillet has said that these things impersonate each other or they can manipulate our emotions um yeah i just think that they're just all of their operations come from like a base level of deceit towards our species so it's like you can't even trust the good the bad it's all just like uh 
not good in my opinion. Well, no, not all not good, but you just can't trust it because people have been told a bunch of stuff. If like some of the abduction stuff, which, you know, it's people are iffy if you're nuts and bolts. But there's like some interesting abduction stuff where it's like people get told like things and they're lied to basically and taken advantage of in like very inappropriate ways. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think Tom gets a lot of flack and, and Lou and Lou doesn't even really say the threat like as much as he could, in my opinion. He just says like they could hit our planes. But I think it's a lot like there's a lot more than that. Yeah, for sure. Do, do you think humanity at large would be ready for that conversation yet? Or do you think we have a, a ways to go? Uh, I'm going to be honest. I don't really know. And I lean towards no. And I just feel like from the, the picture that I'm kind of painting for myself of like what might be behind this phenomenon or like what actions this phenomena takes, uh, like it seems kind of like not all good. And I just, and I know I don't even have the full picture. So I can only imagine what the full picture is. Like, some of the intelligence community and stuff. Uh, Luis Jimenez had a good point when I went on his show and he was saying, cause uh, I always think like if a modern day Kolaris happened, which maybe we should for the listeners, just do a quick little, just two minute. Spiel. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, I have a question down the road on Kolaris <laughs> where I was going to ask you to just hit on it. Cause I don't think many people really know. And you, you did quite an extensive series on it. So yeah, please take, take the time. Yeah, so uh, for the listeners, Colaris was this uh, UFO flap that happened in 1977 to 78 in Brazil. And I found it really important to cover this because there's a few reasons. So one, it has a bunch of witnesses and um, like over hundreds, like over 100 for sure, probably. Um, and these range from farmers to fishermen to police officers to police chiefs to city councilors and to mayors. So like all across the spectrum. And this town started uh, having all these UFO sightings. But what was really uh, tragic about it is that these UFOs weren't just like being seen. They were actively like attacking people and um, people were getting like radiation burns. They were called chupa chupa, which means suck suck in Portuguese because people felt like they were sucking their blood. But typical stuff like people would say, oh, I was paralyzed and this thing, this glowing orb was moving around my room and like hovering over like my, me and my family. And then it just left. And then we all felt like horrible for a few days so that's one one aspect of it is that there's so many people there's so many uh the do there's only like one doctor in the town but she she's on the record saying like at first i didn't believe it either but there all these people started coming in with like radiation burns and like unable to move and stuff like that um and then another interesting aspect of it is because it was such a high profile uh kind of flap and by by a few months in mayors were contacting like uh, governors and um, the military and stuff to intervene. The military eventually does intervene, and uh, they send a, a small team. You know, not like some huge crazy team. I think it was like ten people or so. But eventually, these ten people started having like experiences too, and they had originally went there to go dispel, to like calm the area. But they they ended up having their own like orb sightings, and one of them uh, even had a humanoid encounter with like a gray being, and then. Uh, it's the the Brazilian government did cover it up, quote unquote. They said that it was all because of like lighthouses offshore. So there's there's that angle of like cover up. There's the, the also the angle of like this is a foreign country because people are always like, why is it always America? And then another important thing is that in 2004, AJ Guevara, who's like a really prominent, I'd say the most prominent Brazilian UFO researcher, he led this uh, I don't know political action. I don't know. 
uh, political action group or something and tried to declassify some of these files and the Brazilian government and Air Force actually did. So for a while, some of these files were out there, like I think in the 90s and late 80s, they were out there, but they had never been really been confirmed. But then the Brazilian government um, confirmed, the, released some of these files in 2004. And so, yeah, those are like the main reasons why I really wanted to tell the story it was one, all these witnesses, two, it's not all pretty and it's fairly well documented as far as a UFO case is going to go. Uh, three, it's in a foreign country for the government officially declassified stuff after covering it up, after saying it was a White House. You know what I mean? So all those all those beats, I think, make for a really compelling case. And it, yeah, it's not really one that's talked about too much. And you definitely don't hear people who are like love and light only ever reference it. So, yeah, that's. Uh, am I correct in thinking that um, Robert Bigelow owns all the Calaris files now? He bought uh, them or obtained them during the um, OSAP and Bass. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so that's another part, too, is, of course, it ties in Bigelow at the end of it, right? At the very end, I think like 2000, some, yeah, somewhere around 2002 to 2008 ish. I hmm. believe Kevin Knuth, who was the marine aviator who was originally like going to see the, or not Kevin Knuth, I'm forgetting his name, but there was a marine aviator who was supposed to see the 2004 Tic Tac who, who joined Bass after that guy. I think he went to Brazil for that trip um, and Kurth. was it Kurth? Kurth, maybe yeah something like that yeah um but uh, according to them yeah bigelow got um a lot of the files and maybe even some of the files that weren't declassified because they declassified photos and like reports written by the uh military personnel and but they didn't i don't think to my knowledge have declassified film role like a super eight mm. film role they had allegedly has been claimed by uh, multiple people. And I don't think that's been declassified. And I think Bigelow might be uh, sitting on that. So interesting. I, I guess that would be in the the data warehouse that Colin yeah. Kala uh, refers to in, in their, their interviews. Um, and maybe even the the yearly reports. Um, I know Tim McMillan has seen one of those. He got to have a gander through, uh, but not share it with us. So, so oh, I, I wonder if we could ask him specifically if he saw any Kalara <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And Hal Pudoff mentioned it recently. People mention it like, uh, yeah, Hal Pudoff mentioned it. So it's in their zeitgeist. They know about it. Yeah, 100%. Um, so you said December 2017 was kind of your genesis point or your, your origin story, we'll say. Mm -hmm. um, since then, what would you say has kind of been, uh, let's say, pick three of your, your, the most important developments for you in this conversation since then? like that have happened since then like yeah okay um well like uh, what we talked about earlier the timber shed on the floor of the the house like yesterday or whenever that was saying like the, the american people can handle the truth was pretty dramatic but uh let's see what did some i guess just learning the details of the nimitz case because that one's really like i think a really solid go-to for a lot of people and just all the like flight characteristics of the tic tac and how it's there's multiple witnesses and all that jazz um another big important things uh i guess and this kind of goes into another one of my videos uh when i learned about the chinese initiative although i think it's kind of stalled but there's like a chinese initiative to basically what icer is doing the the international coalition of extraterrestrial research or whatever they were they basically got all these ufo researchers to come to china or to come to russia china and then russia but basically, they're propping up this whole thing like they were going to create their own UN initiative. Um, 
Although that kind of panned out after the pandemic, and it looks like a lot of those people moved to ICER and are kind of just trying to do it outside of the Chinese, I don't know, guys or whatever. Uh, but that learning about that was pretty interesting because I was like, okay, this is another country that's, for better or worse, taking this seriously. And then when they released that, they also have their own UAPTF, basically. Uh, that was a pretty big moment. Because, yeah, you, a lot of criticism you hear is just like, why is it only America? Why is it only this or that? And then so learning about like other countries uh, doing it is pretty interesting. And then let's see, what's a third really important thing? Um, I, I might be putting you on the spot with that that number. I picked out for kind of think of one. That's fine. I guess. No, just like the general just the general progression of everything. It's and. Uh, what I try and one of my try and do with my channels, I try and keep the history alive because I feel like it's the government is actively trying to like not keep the history alive with only going back to 2004. And even in the UFO community, I feel like sometimes we forget. Um, so just seeing the the constant stream of just like Congress people talking about it or like talking crap about AOMSG or whatever, and seeing that they got briefed and they're talking about it, like that's all fairly novel stuff and like yes sure some similar things have happened in the past but i don't think it's ever been like this level of just new week new person talking about it who's respected in society so those three things hmm. cool um you you kind of touched on on it a little bit there but i was going to ask you about the the united nations and and you know what happened in san marino recently um you know they're supposedly being asked to take it forward to the un um and i wanted to ask if that was to happen what would you like to see come out of it if that was to happen maybe just like an international uaptf and maybe some kind of international amnesty thing i know that's kind of a controversial thing but uh i think and we're kind of seeing this on ufo twitter and stuff too i think like the the just getting everything out there is more important than like uh, covering up for some crimes or the political opinions of whoever's trying to get the information out as much as it might suck and as much as you might not agree with it all. I think it's just more important to get that out. So I do think an important aspect of all of this is the amnesty thing. And the reason I say that is because uh, uh, like this, act, this was actively covered up for decades across multiple countries. And you don't get to do that by just like being pretty about it and smiling. Like I do personally believe horrible stuff has been happened or has happened to keep this secret and stuff that I think we'd all be horrified by. So I don't, I think if there's not some kind of like amnesty on the table, we won't get what we want. And as much as I don't like the cover up, although I kind of go back and forth on that, but uh, as much as I like, you know, wish it was all out there and I don't like what some of the actions they did definitely don't like the murdering people over it and stuff like that to be clear. Um, I think it's more important to just get the information out. Yeah, because I think that's, that's on, something Dave. that's unspoken um, when people talk about disclosure is the potentiality of lawsuits coming in against governments and against the military from you know people who have been affected by this physically, mentally, and, you know, that is, I think that's possibly one thing that's holding it back at the moment as well. Because once so someone gets, you know, takes the government to court or the military to court and actually gets a payout, you know, similar to John Burroughs did after um, Rendlesham. 100%. Um, once, yeah. once you open those floodgates, you know, who knows where that's going to stop. 
And Luz yeah. even said, uh, like, uh, if aerospace companies got access to certain tech and others didn't, you know, mm -hmm. and that gave them a huge leap where there's a lot of like, yeah, money and pain involved with like uncovering this all up. And, and that's another thing that I think people don't really talk about when we're talking about this subject or in mainstream media. It's like, okay, yes, we're talking about UFOs now, but there's a reason we're only talking about it now. And like TikTok was even 2004. Like there's a history of covering this up that I think the, the yeah, the media isn't really touching yet. And I think when they do, people will be like, oh, it's, it's not, not good stuff. Cause people get like, you know what I mean? There's like in the, in the 70s when the CIA was all exposed and stuff, it, it caused quite a stir and stuff. So I imagine probably like a similar thing to like what happened with that whole thing. Yeah. So some of your videos are on Soviet UAP encounters um, and, and their studies really go well beyond just seeing, you know, lights in the sky. Um, they were as curious about this stuff as the USA and the rest of us, I think. Um, including yeah. the the kind of the psychic spy studies. I'll do that in air quotes because it's mm -hmm. not, you know, it's a broad stroke. Uh, so you you obviously poured, like you say, you do deep dives. So you kind of really poured over the, the USSR, Russia uh, stuff. And it's debated in the community because we we haven't seen a lot of the paperwork and, and we don't know the you know, the kind of the, the chain of custody of a lot of it. And we wonder if it's disinformation or anything like that. Um, so I wanted to to ask what your kind of main takeaway and impression was from from doing the deep dive on the on the Russia documents. Yeah. Um, and I'll just preface, I probably have to do an even deeper dive on just like an overall Russia one, because the Soviet videos I've covered uh, for the audience, one I did was on Marina Popovich, who was this... Uh, well, I say she's a cosmonaut. Some people say she's not a cosmonaut because she never technically went to space, but she like trained, she got accepted into the cosmonaut program. In my opinion, that can, that still counts. Um, and she had her own UFO experiences. Um, and so from what, and my other video was on this girl named Ninel Kulagina, who was studied by the Soviets, who allegedly, to follow you, Dan, uh, had uh, telekinetic powers. And I know it sounds so crazy. And I, even I've and I'm not saying to believe it by any means, but what's interesting about it is like there's a lot of uh, people who corroborate her claims who are very uh, esteemed and established within like science and stuff like that. So my understanding of, and I've obviously done more reading since then, but as far as my video goes, my understanding from um, the Soviet Union was kind of through their, their two lenses. And so for Marina Popovich, she would say that like, yeah, they had the same kind of stigma to where people wouldn't report things. And like, if you reported things, uh, you basically like get sent to a loony bin, I think is what she said. Um, so there's that. And then through her life too, we also learned that like after the fall of the Soviet Union is when this stuff was kind of allowed to be talked about more. Um, and she and some others, and even her ex-husband, Pavel Popovich had his own UFO sighting and he was outspoken about it. So after the fall of the Soviet Union, more, uh, more people were talking but yeah, like you said, I would like to see those documents. And I feel, didn't George Knapp or someone say he's seen them or something like that? I thought. Yeah, he brought some back and uh, presented them to um, Orshap and Bass. Yeah. Um, and it was like a, they managed to do like a family tree of oh. the uh, organizations within the Russian government, within the Russian military. And they actually found that there was one unit which was kind of running it all, um, but they never quite found out. Oh, nice. how how far that was involved yeah sounds like a future video for me for sure because like like i was saying from the soviet videos i have covered it's kind of just from their perspective at all so like one mm. like that would be 
really cool. Love to DM you and Nap and <laughs> Putin. I was going to mention it in Skinwalkers of the Pentagon book. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice. Very cool. So, yeah. And, and so back to just the general, I think they were definitely studying it. Um, I just don't think you can. And then, oh, what are some things? She had friends in intelligence. So there's a little like peek. And she said her friends in intelligence were under the impression that Roswell was a legitimate crash, like from the Soviet perspective. So, I mean, take that however you want. She could have been lied to by someone. She could have whatever. But as far as she was un understood it, that's what she understood. So hmm. that, was, that was another interesting tidbit. Yeah, and, yeah, kind of like uh, it makes me think of the the Foo Fighters. How both sides were blaming each other, but both kind of thinking it was the yeah the other side. Yeah. So we'll just move on to some audio. Oh, sorry, audience questions. Um, we have a question from Murph. Uh, he says, "Red Panda Koala has produced some great videos, so thank you very much." Uh, if you had to pick between extraterrestrial, interdimensional, crypto-terrestrial, or a combination, which would you go for and why? I think kind of your your favorite theory, I think. Yes. Well, uh, are you saying you think you know what mine is? Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. Sorry. Okay. I would like to know what your favorite, um, uh, your pet theory is. Maybe like, like whatever it is, is 50% interdimensional, a quarter crypto, a quarter extraterrestrial? I don't know. You know, but I feel like uh, we all probably do this too, right? We're always bouncing around like what we think it might be or what if it's all BS? Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just laying up at night looking up. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'd probably go towards like interdimensional. I definitely don't. I think the the strict biological like ET from another planet, Star Wars type situation, I think that's a little less likely from what I've seen. Although those probably exist. But as far as like what's been interacting with us and at least the like stuff you hear from like Lou... And then like Tom and Jacques Vallée and Bigelow and like some of these people who are like, don't obviously believe 100% whatever they say, but they kind of know more than probably a lot of us do that kind of leans towards that way. So yeah, I'd say a little, little interdimensional, a little, a lot of trickster, like, yeah, I'm not as opposed to Dino Beaver as some people are, <laughs> is like, I guess a good way to put it. So Michaela would like to know, uh, she says there are many different books and she doesn't really know where to start. Uh, what would be the main reads that you'd suggest and why? I know you have a video that's kind of yeah. like a top 10. So yeah, go, go for it. Great question. So yeah, I do have a video that's a top 10. And the video, I, I'm, it's, it's like the first in a series. So this one was top 10 nuts and bolts UFO books to come out since 2000, which I feel like is a good place to start. And then I'll eventually do like top 10 nuts and bolts pre-2000, woo-woo, post-2000 fiction books um but for someone new to it i would say i think like some of the best ones are richard dolan's um what is it ufos in the national security state and then the the robert powell and uh ufo book which one is that too darn it let me see i guess i should look it up um well <laughs> do you guys know what i'm talking about it's like the red and white one it's like uh robert powell the cover yeah right yeah <laughs> so for sure it'll be in the show notes uh the robert powell book and the richard dolan ones those ones are really good of just like the entire story more or less and i typically find whenever i'm researching a book or something i'll definitely like uh, i have those books in e-copy so I'll, like control f like any particular terms that i'm coming across in research just to like cross check against those see if there's maybe something i missed but those ones could are also kind of like very intense like uh history kind of books which i personally love but some people Maybe if you're looking for more of a narrative, uh, Ross Coulthard's book is pretty good. And like 
kind of I feel like reads more like a like a like a typical read that you would have as opposed to like history book. Although all three of those are are good. That's what I would recommend. But yeah, that's what I recommend. <laughs> nice. I'm gonna throw that one to you as well, Dave, because I, I know you have a few favorites. Yes. And I'll find the cover. I'll find that book while he's answering. Oh nice, thank you. Um I mean I agree in part with Red that you know Richard Dolan's books, the um UFOs and the National Security State, yes, they are in depth, but you know, Dolan is um, a historian at heart anyway. He started off looking at the Cold War and then eventually stumbled into UFOs and took it from there. But my personal favourites, I prefer the older books, so like from the 50s, 60s and 70s. Um, you know, if you want to start right at the beginning, then go for Major Donald Kehoe's books, you know, especially his very early ones where he had access to um, American Air Force pilots who could talk freely about what they've seen up to up to like 1952 or 53 when they got the whole thing just got shut down. Um, I think Edward Ruppelt's book as well. Um, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but yeah, that's, that's a great, great place to start. And then you start, you know, getting into the whole blue book thing. Um, I'd say Jack Valet as well. Uh, I know these. You put the Forbidden Science books in your uh, top ten list as well, Red. Yeah, I did. Yeah, those are great. Uh, those are his note. Like he just was taking notes. I guess yeah. every decade he was around, which is a great little historical nugget of just like the world of ufology in the time of that. Like it was uh, not allowed. And yeah, I totally agree. I think the Repelt book it for sure is probably gonna be like the number one in my pre two thousand. Mm. That that guy is, I think, probably one of the most important people ever. Sean would like to know, do you think the others are influencing disclosure? Um, I would say, I don't know for sure, obviously, but I would say I wouldn't be surprised if they are. And I wouldn't be surprised if they have a lot of influence on like our world that we just don't really realize. So I guess just nice and short, wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> nice. So uh, that's appropriate because we're going to jump into a kind of mini quick fire now. This, this oh, is for both go. of you. So uh, I'm just going to run through them. Just tell me your thoughts quickly on the subjects. And uh, yeah. Uh, so thoughts on ball lightning. Uh, Red, you go first. Uh, pretty interesting. I honestly need to probably do a bigger deep dive. I think that one video that everyone posts is fake, right? With the railroad and it's like Russia. Yeah, yeah, that's that right. That was a CG project for, yeah. for some kid. And he came <laughs> out and admitted it, but it still gets passed around as the genuine article. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so I, d I definitely think, I don't think like a lot of the orbs and stuff, I don't think are that, or it's a convenient uh, cover, I guess is what I would say for a lot of things. But interesting still. Cool. Dave? Yeah, I mean, it's a phenomenon which isn't seen that often and when it does it can freak people out which is you know no surprise why you know someone will think that holy moly let's say uh that's an orb or a ufo it's easily mistakeable yeah for sure um so your thoughts on the and, and you mentioned ross coltard so you, you're probably aware of it um the the kind of competing timelines and time travel hypothesis of the the visitors uh, I wanted to ask you both what you thought of that. Um, I've been seeing the timeline stuff pop up on UFO Twitter a lot. Uh, I don't know if I personally think that or like the future human theory and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know if I, uh, I haven't seen enough to like 
make me think that's 100% the case. Um, maybe. I think these things like manipulate time in a sense of like the way they move probably from the inside the Tic Tac like is manipulated time compared to outside. But as far as like back to the future style, we're going to punch in this date, go here and bounce out. I don't know if I, if I agreed with that. Dave? It's difficult because, you know, the way pop culture is at the moment, we got Loki, you know, the whole Mar Marvel cinematic universe dealing with timelines at the moment, you know, is that bringing that conversation into ufology and are people using that to try and explain something which, you know, they probably haven't thought of before? Um, you know, future progeny as well, you know, is it future us coming back to warn us that we're about to destroy the planet and if we don't buck up our ideas then you know, they won't survive kind of thing. I think that was explored um, in the recent Canal Plus War of the World series. Uh, for people who have seen that, for people who haven't seen it, I'll stop there. <laughs> I felt like that one, uh, it started pretty well, the first episode kind yeah. of kept the anxiety and panic of, of what that moment would look like on, on yeah, the ground yeah. level. Uh, but yeah, don't don't watch the two seasons, I would say. <laughs> Um, aside from Kolaris, what would be your favorite UFO case, Red? Okay, aside from Kolaris, and then I'll also say aside from Nimitz, because that's like basic too, right? Oh, nice. Good chat. Thank well, you for closing aside... that loophole for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll say, is is the 1952 over DC, is that too basic too, or is that... No, that's, that's <laughs> a great one. And I don't know if you guys saw my most recent poster one, which covers like Al Chop and like all that stuff. So that's kind of fresh in my mind to a degree. And right now I'm in the trenches for Edgar Mitchell. So like my mind is all Edgar Mitchell, but um, that one is really interesting because lots of witnesses, lots of credible witnesses, you know what I mean? Like Al Chop was a great guy. Uh, multiple airline pilots see these things every DC. And then also what's really interesting about that is you could really see like, like an immediate, like uh, what is it? Like call to action on parts of the government and stuff directly after that, which I think adds more credence, credence to deciding like the Robertson panel was like directly after that. Uh, Grudge was reformed to blue book directly after that. And, and like um, was basically like confirmed to be like a debunking thing by that point. So basically just the government's reaction in the wake of that event, kind of similar to Roswell where you just see all these, like this event happens and like now everything's kind of changing and shuffling around. And so I think that's uh, probably one of my favorite ones, the 1952 over DC. Cool. And for you, Dave? Yeah, I think I'm going to, uh, I mean, I've spoken about it many times on various different podcasts and that's not on here, not tonight. So no. <laughs> it's the, um, it's the Welsh sighting, the Welsh triangle, basically 1977, 78 sightings, um, around Broadhaven, Milford Haven, uh, it's called the Duffield Enigma. Um, oh. and there's a few, few books from 1978, which explore, um, the phenomenon in detail with interviews with some of the main witnesses and just to get a feeling of this small corner of Wales, which is populated by, um, you know, farmers and mining communities to be describing what they're describing without having the influence of science fiction, you know, being prominent in their lives. You know, it's quite a good um, study in what was going on at the time. Oh, well, I'm gonna have to look into that case because I don't even know anything about it. And if it's one of your favorites, that's like, like, oh, yeah, that's, it, it went on for a good 18 months, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, See, that's like the thing about this. Crafts and everything. You know, suited figures, um, 
lights in the sky. Yeah, was, suited like men in black type people, like suited. For- no, more like um, well, there was two instances of men in black. Yeah, driving oh. a um, a silver Rolls Royce and, and um, yeah, interrogating a couple of families. Um, there was a transmedium incident. Well, more than one, um, where the owner of a local hotel saw a craft um, heading for these rocks just off the shore, and just saw the craft disappear. And she was waiting for the massive explosion, and it never happened. And then she just saw these two figures appearing on these rocks as if they're walking downstairs, and then going, you know, underneath. And apparently, some diver went down there and discovered a steel door in the rocks. But whether that's you know whether that's um, genuine or not, still, still up for debate. I mean, if we can fund a training course and get a diving suit, I don't live too far from there. I'll go look. Yeah. Oh yeah, you yeah, guys are close. Just diving. Yeah, I'm, I'm so. <laughs> I, I live on the on the southern tip of Wales, and and we actually kind of get a lot of activity. And and my mum's seen a few things. There there was something around Cardiff Airport when I was growing up that I vaguely remember, but she called the the airport to to ask about it. Um, and apparently wasn't the only one. Um, but we we live in this big kind of it, it's a magnetic anomaly. And mm. and if that has anything to do with the phenomena, then yeah, we we live in kind of this big swath of of pink on the anomaly maps. Um, so yeah, interesting. Um, like skinwalker mining around. Well, like you went to basin level of like low key of activity in that area. Sounds like yeah, yeah. definitely. In I mean, yeah, I think as well. so. yeah. wow. I mean, there was um, bilocation of cattle at one point, um, cattle mutilations, all sorts of things going on there. It was quite an incredible time. Sounds like a future video for sure. I'll uh, DM you, get some more information about those books and stuff. It's crazy. Sure. I I've, feel like I've literally been nonstop deep diving this since 2017, and you're still like learning stuff that's like your favorite case. Like, that must be a good one, right? You know what I mean? So. The subject that's why part of why i make the videos too is because there's just so much to read and like there's yeah. so much that people have to like 10 years probably like before i feel like uh i kind of have a fairly good understanding oh yeah you can spend a fortune <laughs> yeah so sorry i was just looking someone asked if i could fit some questions in and i can find them um if you could post them again uh the the username is goof 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 um yeah if you could if you could post them again um i will ask them gladly um so just before those come up um that's actually really strange the next one is cattle mutilation someone just posted about cattle mutilations um so i kind of wanted your your kind of theory on why it may be happening because it, it's a little it's a little disturbing and part of me wonders like could it have happened to people around you know Kalaris was almost you know so okay so to answer those questions i definitely don't know why it happens and i don't even really like have an idea of like why it might happen but to the other part i would i'll just say i wouldn't be surprised if it happens to humans and there's some fairly like it's all we're on the ufo stuff right so it's like it's not like 100 but there's fairly compelling uh cases and pictures and images and a lot of them from brazil even um that make me think that yeah it's probably happening to humans too and if you look at like missing 411 type stuff, I feel like that's kind of just like similar situation of just, yeah, I think what they do to cows, they probably do to humans too. It's basically just the easy way of saying it. And then there was some, um, 
what Bigelow study, I think, said that they might have been studying prions or something like that in the meat. And there's some people who said, I think Alien Scientist says that they, it's governments trying to test because they're doing all these underground nuclear atomic tests and they're just trying to test the meat to make sure that it's not messing up like our ecosystem as Americans. But um, as far as like why they do it, I really don't know. And yeah, to the to the human thing, I would not be surprised. What, what about you guys? What do you guys think? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the um, seeing whether the, all these nuclear tests are affecting the food chain, I think that's that's one plausible explanation for sure. Um, but of course, the, um, you know, the Linda Moulton Howe documentary Strange Harvest kind of kicked it all off back in the late 70s um, and, you know, got people's awareness into the subject again. So I think people should check that out for sure. Yeah. For, and I referenced that in my uh, cattle mutilation video of like, mm-hmm how much of a pioneer she was with that documentary the 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 prions thing is interesting to me but there are so many events where you know the cows are instantly in the trailer and i'm like okay you know sure the the government it makes sense for them to track that and so on so forth but there seems to be happenings that are way outside of our abilities when it comes to some of these cattle mutilations but Again, it, it could still be, you, you know, if we went to a planet, we would try and catalog these things. So, mm. you know, it, it could be a similar reason, but just just the wrong people blaming, I, I, I guess. Um, so for the last part of the show, I was going to go into uh, Hollywood and UFOs, but we're kind of, we have four minutes left, so we kind of have to wrap up. So oh, I'm quickly just going <laughs> to, I know, right? So um, I'll tease it for next time because Andy and I will, will no doubt use, use Hollywood and UFOs uh, for our next show. But just to close out, can I get both of your favorite UFO movies and why? You want to go first, Dave? Yeah, I was thinking. It's I'll a big me... question, I know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I'm ready then. All right. Yeah, you go. And I'll uh, give it a thought. Okay. Um, so this is kind of also kind of like a shilling my channel moment. But I think that the UFO movie that came out in 1956 is pretty much like one of the best uh UFO films ever made. And for people who don't know, this was like my most recent video. This movie came out in 1956 and it was really significant because it had three whistleblower members of Project Blue Book. It had Edward Ruppelt, it had Al Chop, and it had Dewey Fournay as technical advisors to this film. And they had all been like disaffected or dis- uh, really turned off by what had happened following the 1952 wave over DC, which was basically like the clo- more or less the closing down of Blue Book, just repainting like a name on it or whatever. And what's, what I didn't even know about that is that that movie came out before uh, Edward Ruppelt's book. So technically, I think it's like one of the first records of any kind of whistleblower for UFOs. And I think it like, would have inspired Ruppelt like, to write his book, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, And I never really made that timeline connection. I always thought Ruppelt's book was like the first starting point. Technically, this film came out before. So I think that's really significant. And they like it's actually pretty, uh, it's charming, you know what I mean? Like It's from the 50s, so it's like very different pace and kind of than what we would make today but it's charming and you could tell like the people involved like really were trying to start something they were really trying to be like proto ttsa proto lou elizondo and you know what i mean and just the the where we've come since then and just knowing that they they tried it so early just i just have like so much respect like i was like i was telling you guys like people pre-2017 it's like wow you guys have clout but like they were like pre uh repelled's book you know what i mean like so that's mine yeah nice i mean i think i'd have to probably you know one that i've really resonated with me in the last 12 months would be the um the abyss um 
basically because it starts off with a USO encounter that damages uh, an American nuclear submarine, and then that sets up the rest of the story. I mean, you're dealing there with the crypto-terrestrial theory as well, um, and the fact that there's this species that has lived at the bottom of this trench in the ocean because it's kind of like um, akin to conditions on their own planet, their home planet or wherever they're from. Um, but the other one I'd possibly suggest is the first X-Files movie, um, mainly because I was of an age where it made a great impression on me at the time and really got me studying into this. Well, when did that come out? Oh, I don't know. I want to say 90... Eight ninety nine, maybe. Oh, I'll have to check out both of those movies. Possibly yeah. earlier than that. Yeah, that feels about right. Um, I'm I'm going to choose a, a less unknown one called Phoenix Forgotten. Uh, not many people have seen this one. Never gets spoken about, but it's a found footage movie based around the Phoenix Lights. Um, yeah, and it's out. really well put together and it was produced by uh, Jerry Bruckheimer's production company and it blows my mind every time I watch it and I'm just like damn this is really good the the whole framing of the the found footage it actually justifies why you're watching in found footage for the whole film um oh, so you know I'm so down I liked it but yeah you should watch it it's it's fairly short about 90 minutes I think so it gets in gets out and and it's a pretty good experience <laughs> very cool cool so uh red tell people where they can find your work yeah so it's red panda koala on youtube and um that name just comes from i just like both of those animals and at first i wanted to put something ufo in my name but then i was like there's a lot of ufo names out there sorry like not in a bad way but it's just like i might as well just do something <laughs> a little different uh and yeah red panda koala on youtube red panda koala on twitter and uh all my documentaries are free uh, on youtube uh yeah i hope you guys check them out that ufo podcast family check it out <laughs> cool definitely like i say i, I followed your channel for years so it's uh it's oh really wait nice. yeah real quick i had a question i was oh. curious how did you come across my channel first and dave i don't know if you came across before today but so i i just consume anything and everything <laughs> ufo that i possibly <laughs> can um and one of your videos popped up i think it was on reddit and oh, then i just kind of followed from there yeah nice, uh, cool. yeah i think i saw someone was recommended it on Twitter about 18 months ago. And I just, you know, dove in. Cool. Very cool. Nice. Uh, so just to close out, I'll remind people we're running a raffle to raise some money for uh, the St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital um, and the Humane Society International. Um, we are raffling off. I can just uh, chuck it up real quick here. Um, here we go you guys can see that so we are raffling off this poster here signed by lou uh when we met him in london uh oh. we've raised over two thousand pounds at the moment which is absolutely insane it'll be closing out on christmas eve um you can buy 10 entries for 10 pounds the more you buy the the cheaper the entries get and the person who donates the highest amount during the run will actually get a personal thank you call from lou elizondo himself uh which Very is crazy cool. thank you to lou for donating that um so yeah there he goes well gentlemen we're gonna wrap the show because it's that time so i think dan is trying to come back i think he's coming back now oh. i'm back i i did i did so well with my I know. button up until i hit that leave uh studio thing i was just trying to uncheck my screen but yeah brilliant all right <laughs> really dan take us out 
All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you very much, everyone. With that, we're all out of time this week. Thank you to Dave and Red Panda Koala for joining the show um, and for all their amazing work helping to streamline the subject for those coming in. Uh, Andy should be back with us this week, and let's all send in healing thoughts. Keep looking up. You never know what you might see. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access the shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer. A little Baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fuck. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he 